0: Um, Everyone, this is Faded Mates, and we are live together. In the same room, like, what, a foot and a half apart from each other? It's amazing. We've never done this. We never have done it. It's pretty great. It is great. So we're in my Sarah's hotel room. You can hear I have, like, conference voice. I feel like it's very low and throaty it's very sexy thank you (laughs) um sarah you guys is like an energizer bunny like i watched her yesterday and it was like kind of like at one point i had to just leave and read for a while so i get home last night and i'm telling daryl i was like at one point i just had to leave and read for a while and he was like wait what and i was like well I, i just got real exhausted That does feel like the most honest, real book conference attendee. Lots of people were doing it. I think it was fine. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, if you ever want a room full of introverts, go to a book conference. And I mean, I'm pretty extroverted, but it was still nice to have that. But it's like we're tired, and I'm tired, so I can only imagine how you feel. Yeah, it's I'm tired. It's um, Sunday morning. We had planned to do it yesterday, but then like I looked up, and the whole day was over. Yeah. Um. And I want to say though, we have seen so many faded matesers. Yeah, it was really awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Sarah was um and Sophie Jordan were doing a session called Bananas Books, and at the beginning, Sarah's like, "How many people listen to Faded Mates?" And I feel like the entire room. It was, it was like it was awesome and then we had Buzz friend kelly make stickers and buttons we had what 50 stickers no 100 stickers and 50 buttons and they were gone instantly yeah the buttons especially were gone within like five seconds so, it was amazing yeah it was so, really cool lesson learned the next time we go to a thing more we will bring many more buttons and stickers yeah um, but you guys, your faces are so awesome, and we love you. It was really and, fun. And um, thank you for listening. That's so amazing. Because I think Jen and I, until like yesterday, were like, mm, it's maybe just the two of us. <laughs> a couple other people who like us a lot. Exactly. Um, and then I do want to say the best thing was, though, the person who waited in my line and delivered me Wicked Abyss. Oh, yeah. A Cressley Cole book. To sign, and then I opened it up, and Jen had already signed it. I know she was like, "Do you mind signing this?" And I was like, "I, I, no." <laughs> but I was like, "You know, I had nothing to do with the production of this book, <laughs> but it was really cool. It was really cute. Because, like, yeah, it's 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 a, a t- it's her listening of it is going to be something. It was really cool, actually. Yeah, it was really cool, and I want to apologize to Cressley if that at all seems weird. It did feel a little bit weird to me. But you know, you got to give the readers what they want. First of all, and second of all, she told me. I hope Cressley is listening to this part. Um, she told me that her her dream is to meet Cressley and have, have her-, her sign that book. So yeah. um, now I'm I'm just always really happy to be a part of people meeting their favorite authors. Yeah, it's really so. cool. and well. And just yesterday, if you ever if you have never been to like a, a conference about the thing you love. Whether it's Comic-Con or Kiss-Con or whatever, it really is an amazing experience because anybody you meet is going to have this shared love of whatever it is you're there for. I struck up so many conversations with people I didn't know about books we loved, about readers, you know, like what it's like to like be there and meet authors in person. And it was pretty great. Yeah. So- Um, Well, by now you know that you're listening to Fated Mates. (laughs) I'm Jen. I'm Sarah, and we are together at last. Yes. So, we have a bunch of questions for you. We're going to keep this to, like, one hour, just because... I think we're both tired and need to eat some breakfast. Yeah, and And I have to be at a breakfast. Oh, yeah. I'm going to crash that breakfast. (laughs) It's (laughs) fine. I was like, by the time anyone at Avon hears this, that will have already happened and they won't be able to stop me. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a bunch of questions, and I thought we'd maybe start off. Actually, there was one that was actually really funny that um, came through on Twitter that might be a funny one to start with, which it was... From, and I didn't really write down everybody's name with the question, so sorry about that. But how big is your TBR pile at its worst or best, depending on how you look at it? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, it's definitely best. And it's it's massive. It's massive because literally every time... To- I read so much. And I try... like f- I read at least like, 300, 350 books a year. And... um, and, but for every book I read, I've probably downloaded two. Um, yeah. Because I literally see somebody will tweet a line from a book or somebody will say, like, oh, if you've never read this author, you should read this. Or someone will recommend me something super bananas, like happened this morning with Sophie Jordan. And suddenly, like, those books just end up I, – I just buy them and put them on my e-reader. and Yeah and I'll never ever get to all of them and that is a great sadness. Yeah, it is. I definitely have hundreds um at the beginning of the year like right a- around like in between Christmas and New Year's I really decided to try and tackle the TBR on my Kindle. So I actually made a bunch of collections, like different collections. That's smart. So it's like TBR contemporary, TBR historical, TBR romantic suspense and then there's one category that's called tbr desperate times which are like books that i never really think i'm gonna get to like (laughs) it's like the end of times but my kindle still works (laughs) so i could just still keep reading and a lot of last woman yeah a lot of those are are books that i like i don't know where why i bought them right it was like a kindle sale they were free i I think when i came back to romance i was really just like oh it's free it's 99 cents i should just download it in case but now i realize that that's like you really have to, i so i the one thing i've stopped doing is i will buy books on sale but they have to be books i had already had my eye on mm. so like syncopation by anna zabo came out this week for like 99 cents and that had been like i'd had my eye on it so right. i right so um but i think after yesterday at kisscon where i i feel like i i need to stop so i think i'm going to go on a book but i say this now i'm going to go on a little bit of a book buying hiatus sure you are sure until our next interstitial yeah (laughs) until this interstitial (laughs) so lots is the answer (laughs) hundreds of books for sure um, okay, so let's see. Jen is managing all the questions I'm managing because the I questions. have been very remiss in reading all yeah. the questions online. A lot of the questions are about, like, the future of the series. Well, let's talk about that then because we know nothing. We so don't So let's know. just talk out our asses for a little bit. But there are I, some, yeah, go I ahead. I want to just qualify. I know I qualified this in the early days on the podcast, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's worth sort of re-upping this as a statement. Cressley and I don't know each other. So... Um, I really do do this as a labor of love. Whoa. It's not even labor; it's yeah. just love. Right. I love this series. I think Cressley. I learned from Cressley as a writer every single book. I've joked on Twitter that while I was writing *Brazen* and *The Beast*, there were definitely moments where where <laughs> *Immortals After Dark* edged in, and you know, Beast threatened to take someone's head or something, and my editor sort of gently crossed it out. <laughs> we're not in an immortal world we're in a real world now sarah so yeah. um i so really honestly when we say we don't know anything yeah. we really i we really know nothing well and one thing that's kind of as i've gone back and reread there's so there's like the obvious pairings we're all waiting for you know will nicks and orion have a book you know, what's going to happen with Fury? I mean, I think they're, like, uh, you know, Monroe's book is supposed to come out at the end of May. You know, I think there's all, like, you know, th- those are books people have been waiting for. It's clear that maybe the setup is there. But when you go back and reread... So many. So many secondary characters that are... Or tertiary characters that are so interesting that you're like, I could see this mm-hmm. this being a book. So, yeah, we don't, we don't know. We don't. Do you want to speculate? Are there questions that we want to speculate on? Um, I feel like... A lot of them are about, like, Nyx. Yeah. You know, I think I said this on the Lothair episode, which yeah. by the time we do this will already be out. But right. I will never... The, the one thing about this series that would not surprise me is if Nyx actually doesn't get a book. Yeah. I know that Cressley um, has said many times, like, publicly, that Nyx is the final book in the series. And first of all, absolutely, Nyx, Nyx has to be the final book in the series. Right. Um, she can't be... She can't just – she can't be the next book and then it keeps going. Right. Um, but it would never surprise me if she just didn't because she's almost too powerful. Like, she's yeah. too far beyond heroine. Yeah. I mean, she's too far beyond hero. So she, – She's too far beyond our conception of, like – right? Her brain is, like, often described as just such a strange place that I – And I, I, we've seen yeah. her. Like, we've seen her mad. We've seen her um, – you know, furious, we've seen her uh sad, we've seen her wistful, we've seen her full of regret. We've seen so many sides of Nyx that I think I think it would I think it will be a very difficult book to write. Yeah. If it gets written. And it would never surprise me if we ended up seeing that Cressley's endgame is some kind of Right. Become some kind of thing where Nyx just is all well, I mean, she becomes a goddess. Is the theory right? Right. Well, have you read? um I have not read the original Sinners series by Tiffany Wrights, but yep. I did see something really interesting where there's a character named Soren, and a lot of people were like, "Will you ever write from Soren's point of view?" And she, I think it's on Goodreads actually, and she said no because he essentially is like a godlike figure, and she just couldn't imagine. Im- bodying that in, mm-hmm. in an author, authorial voice. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Nyx and Orion will be similarly difficult to... Yeah, I mean, certainly if there is anybody who could match Nyx, it's Orion. Right. Absolutely. Right. But it elevates the... I don't, I don't even know. I mean, and this is why I think Cressley's one of the very best, because I... Think of myself as being a fairly, you know, competent writer, and I can't imagine how you—the whole world would have to be elevated along right. with them. Right it now, exist in the same. Right now, we've seen her ramp up space quite a few times, right? So it's not—it's not an it's not be yeah. movement four, movement four, movement four hundred, yeah. <laughs> <Movement whatever. laughs> yeah, movement whatever, movement right. n, the yeah. the Nick's Orion movement, yeah. So it's an interesting question, but I think one that it, it's almost like be careful what you wish for too. I will say, one of the things I was talking about yesterday with several people who were here just in general is how difficult it is to really pull off a series, like sort of that, like you've been building up to this, this person for three books, I feel like it works. But when, you know, it's five books in or six books in, or if it's 25 books in. So it's also, you know, would it even satisfy us? It's such a meta question. Yeah, although Lothair satisfied us. Oh, yeah. So sure, we'll see. I spoke with somebody yesterday who was like really not into the Morior. Yeah. Or the Dacians. And I of course am very pro Morior. Um so I and I was very surprised by that. I was surprised that that there are people who just wanna stay in the IAD universe. Um so yeah, I like the Moriore a lot, too, but I think it's because I really do feel like if a, a series is going to sustain itself for, like I said, the, the stakes have to get higher the more books there are if you want to keep people interested. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting... I mean, I think it's also about keeping Cressley interested, right? Oh, absolutely. And there are only so many, yeah, so many in, werewolves in yeah. New Orleans. Right. Right. Um... A really interesting question, though, I guess related to that was, like, do we think the Morior will try and hire Lothair in the future? And I would say, like, it's kind of the setup, as I understand it, is more Team Virtas versus the Morior. So I actually don't think that that will happen. I think there'll be an opposition. Yeah, I think part of the challenge, right, is that Cressley really loves a villain as hero. And she sort of established Lothair as the sort of the best hero, the best villain of the Provost Army, right? Like, he was right. there, he was their guy. And Kristoff, right? Mm-hmm. So um So, although do we, is Kristoff Provost? I don't know if he's either. As, really? What is he even? They're just, he, and, no, whatever. Yeah. The, so, they're the, uh, he's the keep away kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? I mean, some you know, they just don't, he doesn't even really know what's going on. Yeah, but he's sort of, So Lothair, when she brought Lothair into the fold as a hero, she kind of lost the Provis Army as villain. Yeah. Right? Because suddenly their biggest arm is no longer. Yeah. He's on Team Vertos. And everything else in the Provis Army has been established as these, like, base disgusting creatures. Literally disgusting. Not, like, I mean, they're, they're, like, pus. Yeah, like puss and, and, evil, right, yeah and yeah pus animals and things, um and so I think that she had to up the ante and deliver us new villains, yeah um and she did that through the Morior, but what's interesting is that then she made the Morior heroic, right so well, and I think that's like a general kind of romance problem that I think about a lot, which is we're interested in we're interested in like what's dark like right what's we're interested in like that dark side of humanity like whatever that is right but we also in order for it to be a romance need people to be heroic and so you know you see then like motorcycle romances where like really they're helping children or what you know and it and it's like sort of a really interesting thing that I think romance does where we take something that is like clearly really problematic on its face and want very badly to like redeem it through love and i think that's something like i i I don't know how i feel about it right and i think there are i think i think personally there are limits to that and i think there are other readers for whom there are not limits to that yeah i can't see the end game with orion at all i yeah i can't either so i don't i don't entirely understand what the moriola is doing well and i will predict i don't think we're gonna necessarily get an answer for it in monroe's book oh no i don't think so i think that's we've put a pin in it i think she's going back to monroe to tidy things up but that that said i mean she put monroe she's she's writing monroe now for a reason right so right we'll see what that is what that is and I think you and I will have more thoughts about that when we've read McCreeve again. Yeah, because I, I agree. read I haven't read. I haven't read any of the books with the exception of Sweet Ruin. I haven't read any of the books since we've started. Yeah, I really. I. I. Yeah, me too. So I'd like to see where we are with Monroe before yeah. we talk more about that. But Monroe is coming at the end of May, according to Cressley's, you know newsletter. I media. think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is actually a really fun question, so that's kind of a serious one, which is, if (laughs) um, it said, if you wrote fanfic, (laughs) what top three fanfic stories would you write about the IAD universe? Well, I mean, I would write DeShazer's Christmas novella with... (laughs) I would write DeShazer and, um, oh my god, Dolly's Christmas novella. Dolly the Nymph, DeShazer the Demon... I love them so much. She turns up in so many yeah, yeah. books now Yeah, I um, really that like I had them. sort of not realized, but I love him, and I love how cool he is, and what I really want is, like, all the Virtas heroes sitting around in, like, Christmas sweaters. Yes, just, drinking brew. Which feels very fanficy to me, because I know there's, like, a whole world of fanfics that's just, like, yeah. people do – we're – we're at O'Hara everybody we're in a hotel at O'Hara you're gonna hear um, planes flying overhead um, which was actually very comforting overnight for me because I have LaGuardia at home See there so you go. it's just like home anyway so that's what I would do I know there's a fan the whole fanfic world of you know heroes who are just doing normal things yeah. and that's what I would want Um, one idea I think you and I would both love that we've talked about that I'll just say for both of us. Mm -hmm. I know what you're going to say. It's like, yes, the IAD heroes in group therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Like in Declan and Lothair talking to like Lachlan about (laughs) being good husbands or, you know, fathers or whatever. Oh, that's really funny to me. And actually like, just cause it seems like it would have to literally be in like a Like, they'd all have to be, like, locked to their chairs. It would just end up in a brawl. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I would say that another one I would love is, like, A Day in the Life of Loa's Shop. Oh. Right? Yeah. Just Loa hanging out. Just Loa hanging out and, like, who comes in and who comes out and, like, what – like really interesting problems and you know the witches come in and they're selling their new potions and wares and you know like lure teenagers who like fucked up and broke a candlestick at home (laughs) and they're trying to fix it and you know like the I I just feel like a day in the life of Loa's shop would be a really fascinating like look at like a like a, again like sort of that day in the life of the lore yeah lo- loa the reality tv show <laughs> yeah like, right a lo- that's cool um and then i have i have a couple i have a, a few sort of erotica ones but one of the erotica ones that i'd really like to see is um and we haven't gotten there yet but there i i when i figured out that josie um the heroine of sweet ruin is uh part phantom and she could like she could become she become invisible and like trace inside of people. I was like, well, if they don't, you know, if she doesn't make him masturbate while she's in there, then that's just a missed opportunity. How <laughs> oh, would I never thought of that? <laughs> Your dirty mind is on you guys. Spoiler, she doesn't, but like maybe I'll write that fanfic before our episode. <laughs> also, there's got to be fan ID fanfic online. I I'm, mean, there is a Facebook group. Yeah. Which is all Everybody yeah. who's a member of this Facebook group, you guys, you should join it. It's wacky. Everyone who is a member of this Facebook group is there as a like a character, character. in the IAD universe, and they post as the characters and they comment as the characters, and it's actually really <laughs> lovely and fun. Yeah, there must we'll be IAD fanfic. Fan I'm terrible at fine. I get really overwhelmed at the. I'm,
1: yeah, fanfic seems
0: overwhelming to me, like like drinking out of a fire hose, and I, and I feel like what I would love is at some point I'll meet a friend who like understands how to do it better, and yeah. I'll learn. Yeah. But right now I'm yeah. Not I'm right now. My way. mountain TBR is keeping me <laughs> from scaling that next mountain of fanfic. But yeah. But I if love... you write IAD fanfic or yeah. if you are reading it online, please let us know, and we'll put notes. We'll put yeah. links everywhere. One of the best sessions I was at yesterday was actually about like. Um, like fanfic and the power of like fandom and it feels i do i love that sense of like a shared love of a common world and Mm -hmm. and what it feels like to like imagine stories that happen in there so that's a fun question okay sarah this one's really for you and i i would love for you to answer this too which is a couple of episodes ago you talked about lisa claypass being a talisman's a a genius with like talismans Mm -hmm. and can you say more about that in every Lisa Kleypas book, there is a talisman of the hero's love for the heroine, um, and sometimes it's and it's always something. It it varies by book, um, but it's always something that ultimately becomes a gift, some kind of gift, or sometime some kind of representation of the heroine for the hero. So in her, um, in Dreaming of You, it's Sarah's glasses. Sure. Because well, he steals them from her. Right. And then he just keeps them with him because he can't, he can't have her, but they're. Right. They're, they become his heart. He, yes. he literally holds them in the, in the inside pocket of his jacket. Like, well, and I, I also think hard. it's, like, the fact that it's glasses or spectacles It's like, she's just teaching him to see the new, the world in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And then um, in the first of the Ravenel series, it's uh, – we see – there's a secondary romance um, in the first book in the Ravenel series um, where the hero – where the secondary hero is gifted an orchid Mm. by the secondary heroine, and then he has to learn to keep it alive, right? Because orchids are very temperamental. Yeah. And then when it comes back to – when it comes to their book, which is the next book in the series, he's been keeping this orchid alive. And it's – I mean, it's such a, like, clear metaphor. Right. Um, And then Cam Rohan has a ring, a thumb ring, Mm -hmm. that – you know, he never takes off, but he, um, but is a, uh, I mean, ultimately comes out in a sex scene. Like he, he's, he's, Obviously. he uses it in a real dirty way, but, um, this, but this ring like is representative of, of his, his relationship with, with his, his, uh, heroine. Oh. And then, um, in the most recent Lisa Kleypas book, Devil's Daughter, it's, um, it's a book that they've been passing back and forth, that she sent to her childhood love um, with notes in it, and he kept, he stole it from her childhood love. Oh, wow. And kept it over the years, and then he returns it to her. And it's just, uh, in my mind, every single Lisa Klaipas book has one of these items that sort of represents the love of yeah. between these two people and the growth that they have to go through in order to get to a place where they can love each other. And it's magnificent. And nobody does talismans like Lisa does because she she does them in this, like, seamless way where they're just a part of the story. Right, right, right. Unlike, Definitely. you know, Cressley, for example, uses talismans, but she uses talismans in a very, like, clear, concrete way where you're she sort of says to you as a reader, over yeah. this is the talisman. Right. And then we move it forward. Right. Lisa doesn't do that. Lisa, all of her talismans are really... Yeah, embedded. In, yeah, deeply embedded. Okay, this is another craft question that I think I want I, I want you to talk about, but I, I want to also yeah, talk go. about as a reader. I sure, think this sure. will be, like, interesting for us to discuss, which is, um, again, a couple episodes ago, Sarah talked about, like, how the point of view in a sex scene should be from the person who needs to consent the most for whatever that mm. means. And I want to. I think we can actually like blow this out and talk about more than just um, sex scenes, right? But like mm-hmm. when that there are, that there are certain like life events that have to be told from one character and how it feels like a bit of a betrayal when it's told from another character. Mm-hmm. And I think those can be like authors' choices, but often I view I feel like they're mistakes, like as a reader. And I'll, I'll give like a couple examples. Please. Um, I read a recent book where um, a character suffers a miscarriage and most of the like processing of the miscarriage is done from the hero's point of view. Oof. And I really tough. struggled with that. And I under I understood why. Right. I mean, it was like this moment where he like realized how much he loved her. But that then felt a little like fridging. Which I, if you don't know what that is, it's sort of like something bad happens to the hero heroine in com, is a comics term, so that the hero can understand something about his own feelings, mm-hmm. and so like that was an example of a book where I I really struggled. I was like, I think miscarriages really have they there's something that happened to a woman, and yes, it happens to a man, like right the partner too, but um or like there was a book I read where a a female heroine was um an Olympian and she wins the gold medal, but like the hero is the coach and he kind of like processes it. And I was like, no man, that has to be hers. It was her accomplishment. So I think there's a lot of times where point of view, especially in books with like dual person, first person point of view, um, can really like skip at like a time that as a reader feels wrong. Yeah. So there is a craft adage that yeah. I think is very valuable. Um, and I would say this. I would say I have a lot of things to say about this. But <laughs> point of view is very hard yeah. in the sense that invariably if you are writing, and by you I mean me. <laughs> if I am writing and um, and I'm really stuck in a scene and it's going slow and I can't figure out what's going, ro- what's going wrong. Invariably it's because I'm writing it in the wrong point of view. Interesting. As I write, all my books are like Cresley's close third point of view. So um there's a there's a not omniscient narrator narrating that narrator is narrating like in a cl- yeah. deep in the psyche of the one of the characters. And like Cressley, I move back and forth. So I tend to be pretty even. Like mm-hmm. chapter 1 is the heroine, chapter 2 is the hero, and it goes on like that. Although sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. But the the adage in writing is that the POV of the scene should... The scene should be written in the POV of the character who has the most to lose. Mm. And I think that's a really nice, succinct way of explaining... Right. ...what you're talking about, which is the character who is... And maybe it's the most to lose. Maybe it's the most impact. Right. Um, a miscarriage is always going to have a higher... or I mean, not always. I'm going to say always. But it feels like <laughs> it should be... You know, I would say a huge percentage of the time, yeah, it should be in the. It is going to have a bigger impact on a on the heroine than it is on the hero, by virtue of it happening in her own body, right? Um. So, yeah, that feels like a misstep to me. Um, it feels like a kind of a rookie step. Yeah. I don't know what this book is, but yeah. it sounds like a kind of That's rookie. What, that was my mistake conclusion because was like, it rookie feels mistake. like right. it might be might have been a choice that was to show the the hero like full of love, like, full of preparation for his own future, coming to terms with, like, the idea of a family. I can see why you would... Sure. Like, we love secret baby stories because we love to see heroes broken down by the idea of, like, familial love. Right. But that does seem like a little bit of a rookie mistake. Um, But that said, I would say the sex scenes... um, Sex is really interesting. I really like writing sex in the male p- point of view because I think it, like, I think it, again, it sort of shows the hero vulnerable in some way. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, because for me, when I write a sex, I mean, obviously, when I when the hero and heroine have sex in my books, like, that's it. He's a goner. Like, he's never. Right. He's done. You know, well, and cooks. that's romance, right? If it's, right. Right. Um, But I would say that um, when I said consent, what I was talking about is that if there's a question of the sex being rough, I'm sure this, I I can only imagine I said this during, like, the Sabine and Rydstrom episode. Yeah, probably. Um, But if we're talking about sex being rough or, like, challenging or, like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith style, like,
1: um,
0: you know, uh, Caro, no, Regan and Declan, um, it has to be in the point of view of... The character who could could be non could be non consenting, right? right? So that, for example, I wrote a book called Nine Rules to Break When Romancing Rick. I actually talked about this yesterday at the conference in a panel. where in that in that book. There's a scene where they're in an argument at the opera, and um, he says something really offensive. To the hero says something really kind of mean and offensive and snarky to the heroine, and she like lashes out. And she tries to smack him. And he grabs her hand and then pushes her against the wall and kisses her. And, like, this is a classic romance moment. Sure. We've all seen it in movies and books forever. It's pure id for me. And I was was talking about how I don't remember whose POV that scene is in. But I hope it's in Callie's. Because, for me, that scene only works if you know the heroine wants it. Right. You, the reader. Right. Know the heroine wants it. Right. Well, and I would say... That's one of the things I, like I read a book where it's like male only point of view and there's like, and it's at work and, you know, there, and I, and I really at some point like found it problematic because then you really have to trust That he's a reliable narrator, Mm -hmm. and that's not something I actually usually worry about in romance. Like, I feel like one of the bargains like we make with you as authors make with us as readers is that these are this right. There's no unreliable narrators. Yes, this is all true. And yet he was. I found him. You know, I was just really unlikable, and it was really and and so then it was like every interaction he's describing like, oh, she totally wanted it, and I as a reader was like, okay, but. are you proving that How to do me? Know? How do I know? Because I really it's because she is the employee and he is the employer. Oh, see that's so hard cuz right? the power is automatically. Yes. yes. Yeah, and then it's like, and then when you, you know, in the age of Me Too, you hear these men telling stories like, well, I didn't realize that she felt that way. Right. And I feel like authors, this is something in a, that, you know, I, I enjoy, I enjoy male point of view a lot, but I do think it requires so much care. Yeah. Because it's so easy then to feel like, I was like, I feel like I'm reading about, like, this could be who's that comedian, right, who was just like, I didn't realize they didn't like it because they didn't say anything. Louis C.K. Louis C.K., right? So I I found that, like, in the rise of, if you're writing a male-only point of view book where there's a power differential that vast, I, I, I'm not, that was hard for me. But first person, single point of view is hard anyway, even if you're doing it from the other perspective, right? Like, one of the, um, even yeah. if you're doing it a single point of view heroine, mm-hmm. part of the challenge for romance readers when you do that is showing the hero in weakness too, right? Yeah. Like the moment that most romance readers adore is the moment where the hero is broken, right? right. the 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 dark night of the soul moment, yeah. right? Where there's a a question, all is lost, and are these ever going to be? Are they ever going to be together? And he feels broken, um, and there's a very clear that moment only that moment works the best when you're in his head yeah so if you're doing first person point of view just from the heroine you never really see him yeah break I mean some people do this really beautifully and I'm not saying that I'm my my qualifier for all of this is like in the hands of a great writer anything can be done of course but these are more cautionary tales. Yeah, but right. like first person the reason why first person is so challenging is because you never get an even even inkling of right what the other person is thinking or feeling. Yeah. And it's not enough that we're seeing I mean it it works both ways. Both what Jen is saying which is you know, if you can't see the heroine consenting in her own head, right. That's maybe a problem. But also, if you can't see the hero unraveling in his own head, right? is it even happening? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I do think... It's um, a show... It's like ultimate show, don't tell. Yeah. Well, and it's so it's interesting, like, as a reader, then, like, I find... Like, there's some series that are, like, they're all in a row, and they're all female point of view, or... And I find I, I get real... It's really hard for me to read those back to back to back, because I've at some point it feels like something is missing that I, as a reader, need. And it's not that the author has done anything wrong, no. right? This is so personal. But just I, as a reader, need to see to see both of those. So, yeah, for me, um, I do prefer dual point of view. Yeah. Even in first person, yeah. I just prefer to see both characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was, like, an interesting question. No, that's great. Thank you for that. Okay. Um... Do you want one that I think is, like, I don't even know how to address? I think it's kind of gnarly. Always, yeah. Um, I think it's gnarly. I say that with love, but it's, um, so, you know, we've just finished Lothair, and so we've read about vampires feeding from all sorts of places. All sorts of places. And this question is, um, would we ever have a vampire hero going down on a heroine on her period? And I was like, no. You think no. You think yes. I, I mean, don't know. It is a little gnarly. I I mean, it is interesting. Clearly Cressley thinks no. Yep. Wait, do vampires even have periods? Well that was my answer was like nobody Wait, has oh, periods. Nobody I know. has a period. Nobody has a, a period in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well done, Cressley. Cressley, I just realized yeah. like, you, the whole thing just, right. just ramped up a whole notch. No, yeah, no, has a well, because that was my answer, right? Valkyries wouldn't menstruate, do because you think they, they, they don't, don't eat mess- food? Well, what if they do eat food? They must get pregnant right away. Yeah, there is sure. no way that not everybody's not super fertile, <laughs> right? <all> Absolutely, <laughs> like right. So, yeah, I mean, part of me is like, it's just menstruation this is-, is moot. Yes. <laughs> well, and it, but it was like, a, yeah, it's just like, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Mm, but I'm I am gonna go with. Lothar for sure would have done it if Ellie had her period. Yeah, he would have gotten off of it. He's filthy. Yeah. And that's great. Right. And I would have been there for it. A little more chewy. Fine. <laughs> Ew. I, yes, I told that's you. so gross. I told you it was gnarly. That's what, you say. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're talking about, though. You guys, that's super gross. That's I don't what like we're it. talking about. That's why I was like, mm, I don't want Ugh. it. Right? I mean, he's not going to like. Ugh. Exactly. Yeah, right. Sorry. Let's move forward. Sorry. Jen took it to a dark uh, place. It, we it had to be done. <laughs> okay, Sarah. This is a great question. Um, what's the coolest fan art or letter you've ever received? I've received some really great letters. Like really great letters about. I mean. I've, re- I've received some letters that have really moved me, too, like um, letters by women, letters from, from women who have been in abusive relationships, who um, have escaped abusive relationships and found found themselves again through romance novels and through mine. I mean, like, nothing beats that. Oh, right? I can't that's, imagine, yeah. That's the best one. Um my favorite that's not, you know, sad. Like, yeah. Although that's very hopeful, but, like, I hate that that sure. happened. Um, I have a woman, I my probably most favorite is from a woman who um, sent me a letter, and she was really sweet, and she said, I love my husband very much, but he's very boring. Mm. And um, we don't, we didn't have a very exciting love life, and... Um, and I started to really think that maybe I'd made a terrible mistake, and that we would never have a good love life. Love life. And then one day he picked up "One Good Earl Deserves a Lover," um, and he read it because he knew I was reading romance novels all the time. And then you changed our our love life. That wow. book changed our love life. And I'm That's, I mean, I have like oh, and like and my husband came home from work that day, and I was like, I saved marriage today. What did you do? <laughs> So I hope that woman is listening because I'm so I'm thrilled and that Yeah, that's amazing. You know, like I have had I've I've had some like not pleasant responses to sex scenes that are kind of gross and icky from like people that I know. Right. Um and that is a moment where I was like, This is great. I'm really glad you guys are boning hard over (laughs) (laughs) there. That's awesome though. Yeah. Um and then fan art, you know, I don't get a lot of fan art. Do better everybody. Um I have somebody some there's some there's a writer who or a, an artist who's um done some inspirational Rules of Scoundrels art, which is really cool and yeah. always has like playing cards or dice in it, which is cool. Um but yeah. Okay. If you're an artist and you feel so inspired. Yeah. No, some fan art from our podcast is by a woman, and we've actually liked oh, yeah. linked to show notes, and she is like doing watercolor paintings of the heroines of IAD, and amazing. they're amazing. Her nicks yeah. is Yeah, that's it's kind right. of amazing. So. so, But not really about Sarah's book, so we'll look forward to it. Well, Just, that's fine. It's allowed. Okay. Mine's way faster, right? What would I prefer? Chicago-style pizza or Chicago-style hot dogs? Pizza. What's a Chicago-style hot okay, dog? Okay, listen. I need to tell you I don't like pickles, and a Chicago-style hot dog is like it's like real specific so it has a poppy seed bun that's like like split on top right rather than on the side and then you like there's like a pickle spear so it's like along the length of the entire hot dog and also celery salt is involved but I don't like pickles so I feel like I could do everything but that like there's a lot of other shit too like it's like full it's fully loaded yeah and I like a hot dog just fine but like the pickle is a deal breaker so pizza for sure. But eating a piece of Chicago style pizza is like a meal in and of itself. Like you have to really clear a few hours afterwards for napping. <laughs> well, next time I come, I would like to have both of those things. Okay, for we sure. We'll record it. <laughs> and then, there you go. And I'll be like, let me take this pickle off and eat this. I love a pickle, so I think I'll be fine with that. Okay. Yeah, you would like it. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, how much more time do we have? That okay. one. Oh, yeah. This is one that's like, this speaks to me deep in my soul. Um, why is every female 5'6", thought of as tiny? And why is every male 6'6", six, six, lol? I was like, yeah, speak my love language right there. I mean, I'm all for males that are 6'6", six, six, but. Well, you know what I guess I would say is, um, it's an archetype right and it's interesting how the archetype of the male being 66 even though it's just as formulaic it like whatever it's fine but i i i do struggle with all of the heroines being like petite and tiny and in fact, I just restarted McReeve and was kind of like, I can't stand Chloe. And I was and Sarah was like, why? And I was like, I just was like, she's this like baller soccer player. But somehow she's still this tiny little pixie. And I was like, you know, she would have fucking size of steel. And I, I, I do I do struggle with this. Um, but, you know, I didn't I didn't I did not. And everybody's white. So it's you yeah. know, I do the one thing that I wish is that though, and this is true of all immortals books. Yeah, it's that they become like perfect specimens. Yeah, right. Which is sort of an it, like you said, it's an archetype. It it comes from the very beginnings of romance where the hero could span the heroine's waist mm-hmm. with his like mm-hmm. massive hands. One thing I think about a lot that I think you like threw off as like a an aside, but I think it's really profound truth. Is that all of those tropes that were part of, like, the early part of historicals have really, like, migrated over to paranormal in some way. And so the idea that the hero is just, like, broader, bigger, stronger than every heroine is something, like, physically, I think is something that we really see in Paranormals a yes. lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, but unlike other paranormals, what we're seeing here is heroines who are equally as strong. They're just yes. small. They're just small, which right. is kind of awesome. Sure, right? Like your strength is not really determined by your size. And they're smart, and they're savvy, and there's all these other amazing things about them. But yeah, as a as a general rule, it's kind of not my favorite. Oh, that's a great question. Okay, so I'm now I'm I'm looking at at the list. What is something, Jen? What is something that immediately makes you give up on a book? What's first of all, what's immediately? Yeah. And then what's the thing? I would say immediately for me is a chapter or two. Same. Right? I I Yeah. Um some sort of blatant like a racism or sexism, right? Um, unless I know I'm, like, going into some motorcycle club romance and it's, like, which, you know, and then you just know that that's what it is. Um, it's often not about, like, writing. Like, sometimes they will be like, oh, yeah, there was a typo on page one and I just noped out. I don't even notice shit like that. I read seventh graders' work for a living. You have to really, like, I don't even really pay attention to those things. Um, I'm trying to think about. I would say if, if the problem, if the premise seems like I think I'm obviously I was interested in it because I downloaded the book or whatever, but if then if I start and the premise is like really, I'm like, oh, I don't like it or it's execution, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like honestly it's like racism and sexism, right? That's, yeah. I mean, well, those are like obvious to me. Yeah, Right. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. That it really is for me. It's it's definitely within the first like two chapters. Yeah, and you have to have suck me in. Yeah, so right. I'm bored. That's the problem. It's boredom for me almost yeah. always. Well, and for me, it's often like very. You know, I wish I could read every book from start to finish, but realistically, I'm going to put a book down. Right, I'm going to get called away. I'm be doing other things, and so if I am not, if I have no interest to pick it back up right and i would say then for me like really explicitly english teacher talk it's too much exposition right so you have like you're setting the stage there's too many characters you're introducing people too many characters actually is a real deal breaker for me i'm like have you met the hero yet <laughs> heroine why have you met 10 other people before right i, I sometimes get overwhelmed by too many heroes too many too many characters that's for sure um, we've had a lot of questions in person, yes, and by text slash email about yeah about what happens after IAD. So For us, for Faded yeah. Mains. Here's what I here's what I will say. We think this actually season one is just gonna be like Cresley Cole's adult romances. We've had a lot of people ask about the Arcana Chronicles, I don't think we're gonna do them. Mm-mm. So we're gonna do um, the Game Maker series and we're gonna do the McCarrick Brothers at the on the back end, I think, will be like the end to end, just mm-hmm. for fun. Um, and then forevermore yeah. for the rest of time. Yes. Anytime there is an IAD book. We'll return to it. We'll do yes. it. Yes. Um I would say here's what I can tell you what we don't know what season two will be I I know what it won't be though a lot of people are oh are you going to do another series next and I don't think we are I was like maybe there'll be a season three where we pick another series but I think season two is going to not be another series but we've been talking about a lot of really cool ideas none of them are formalized or or like nailed down so you're just gonna have to wait but there will be a season two for sure Because once Fated Mates find each other. Yeah, of course. And it's so fun for us. It really is. It's great. And it'll still be similar where there will be episodes every week. And you'll get to hear us dulcet tones in your ears. We joke about things a lot on Twitter, but we're never going to make an IAD board game. That's never going to happen. Well, that also feels like it would be probably legally an issue. (laughs) Right? Um, (laughs) Do the Roth brothers come back? I really hope so. I'm sure they do. When Christoph comes back, they have to come back, right? Right. Um, Sarah, would you like it better if it was called New to Adulting? (laughs) (laughs) No, I hate it. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) But that's maybe better. Yeah. New to Adulting. How did we meet Twitter, just like we met all of you? So thanks for listening to our AMA. Yeah, yeah you guys, we love you. Thanks we do for coming. Love you. Chicago, thanks for coming out. And um we will see you next week. I think well, I don't know what next comes next week in- is McCreve. Is Macree with Sierra Simone, isn't it? I'm not sure what it'll be. Maybe, we'll see. But yeah, I think so. Right. Well this is Wait, gonna be after yeah. Does McCreve come before the yes. Game Makers series? We are yeah we're, we're gonna know, post the calendar, you guys. Yeah. So you know, what to be reading when. But definitely read McGreev next. We're going to put Shadow Seduction and Shadows Claim Together before Wicked Abyss and talk about them almost as like a separate series because we think that's what they are, and then we will post the whole reading list. So have a great day, and it was awesome talking to Sarah in person. Bye guys, we love you.